0: I wanted to, um, dedicate tonight's shir, and we can please join with me to have in mind that for Malka, Bas, Recha Shifra. In, uh, last week's session with Rabbi Goldman, uh, touched on a couple of points that really show us how Hanukkah is really an opportunity for us to, um, simply, really try to wake up, and, uh, Discover what we really have deep inside us, and we could uh, see this in a couple of ways, which Rabbi Goldman touched on. Firstly, what is really the whole celebration of Hanukkah about? Of course, there were great miracles, the great victory. Hashem is protecting us, and uh, the miracle of the of the uh, Pach Shemin, the one flask of oil that burned for eight nights, which we can imagine was an amazing experience. I'm trying to imagine oneself in Yerushalayim, hearing night after night, that the menorah burnt again. The menorah burnt again. What that must have been like. Which the Penechewa says really wasn't even necessary. It was completely permissible to use the impure oil. And this was purely for the sake of Hashem showing his love to the Jewish people. But the essence of what we are thanking for, and saying the halal, and giving thanks, is as the mishabura brings, as was mentioned last week, the essential existence, spiritual existence of our people that Hashem preserved for us, and we should remain connected to Him. And this explains the distinction between Hanukkah and Purim, where on Hanukkah we don't have the obligation of, of, eating a meal like we have on Purim, where the celebration involves that physical elements of eating and drinking, because, unlike Purim, where the decree of our enemies was to even physically annihilate us, when it came to Hanukkah, the intention of our enemies was only to cut us off spiritually. From our connection to Hashem. To impose upon us their. False beliefs. Their ideology. And uh, Mm -hmm. their, their desire. Was to cause us to lose. Our connection. And our being. Involved with serving Hashem. And of course. We needed this experience. Of having an enemy arising. And Hashem saving us from that, able to come to realize that it's Hashem who is giving us this connection with Him and preserving it for us against the uh, would-be attempts of our enemies. They have no real power, but they have the power to choose to try to harm us. Now if we wouldn't need that kind of a, a sort of awakening and reawakening, and of course no enemy would arise but as it was, the B'nai Israel needed that uh, quite powerful and painful experience of the enemy arising against us and Hashem miraculously preserving for us our connection to him. But that's essentially what we're thanking Hashem for. So we have to ask ourselves, is this something that we can get in touch with to feel that thanks for the, having that connection? Of course, we're very pleased that the Jewish nation survives, that we are here today as part of the Jewish nation. But that it should be a cause of some kind of an outpouring of thanks that, uh, that may take some work. So this is like a, uh, a call to us. Hanukkah is saying to us, can we really feel, can we find the way to feel that deep appreciation that it should be a cause for us personally to thank Hashem and praise Hashem for saving for us our connection to Him. And, that, and I don't think we should hold it against ourselves if we don't feel it so readily and so easily. Because we sort of grow up taking it for granted. We're, we're in the good habits from an early age. And uh, for most people, their connection with Torah is one of good loyalty and good obedience, so to speak. For it to be something that we are deeply grateful for, to have had preserved for us, that takes real work. So Hanukkah is a call to us to do that work. And there's another element, of course, where, uh, as we know, the and those that were with them, put themselves into real danger to fight against the Evonim. And we can ask ourselves if uh, a similar situation would arise where we would also be called upon to um, join in such a battle for the survival of the Jewish nation in, in its spiritual sense, which is the entirety of the Jewish nation, of course, would. We'd be ready for that? Would we join into that? Do we have within us that strength to say yes, I am here, I'm ready? I don't know if I can lead the army, but I'm ready to join the army? Even at great risk? If we could find within ourselves that we could do such a thing, we would be ready for such a thing. Like in a certain sense, we are accepting upon ourselves every day when we say shema we are accepting upon ourselves any sacrifice that would be necessary to make or to at least certainly risk so then we have to wonder well what kind of fight are we fighting for the survival of our own spiritual existence on a daily basis of course it's you know quite a different situation when there's an enemy that's threatening us in with the spiritual annihilation, that can evoke a very powerful response. So I can't really expect it to be of that nature on a daily basis. But if we, can, if we can find within ourselves that we do have an appreciation and we do hold so dear to ourselves that fundamental connection with Hashem, and it matters to us that the Jewish people should survive as a nation, as the, Hashem's nation. And of course, it isn't Hashem's control, but if we would be in that position to put in our effort, and we would do it. So that means that somewhere deep down, we know the value of this. We know the truth of this. We know the goodness of this. So then the question becomes, Can we find a way to get in touch with it on a regular daily basis, in a more powerful kind of way, in a more real way? Can we wake up that that inner connection that is deeply buried, that should be able to function a little more actively, even when it's not under that kind of a threat of annihilation? So I hope we can all agree that this is a uh, worthwhile goal. Does anybody disagree? Ah, okay, so it's unanimous. So the question is, where do we go to start this process? So uh, I would like to make a bit of a, uh, diversions from our typical style in these uh, Sunday night getting, getting together and uh, do some learning from a text. That's something that we don't usually do. Don't worry, it won't be very long. It's only a few lines. But it's very important lines, very fundamental lines. Um, there may be some ideas that we've touched on recently that uh, could help a little bit. But we want to make every learning as like a new fresh start. Like the of us advises us that uh, as we become more mature in our understanding to try to relearn whatever we may have learned before as if it's for the first time. So that's what I would like to try to do with your um, participation and uh, see where it takes us. Uh, then there's there's no um, pressure to try to finish in one session. We can make a start, and we can pick it up. It should have to be in a couple of weeks because next week we'll be off uh, as a as a Hanukkah family uh, vacation day. So let's take a look at the very beginning of the first parakamislosishar, no less, where he is laying out his. Higher definition and, and encapsulation of everything that we could do in the spiritual realm. And he starts off with the title um, In Explaining the Overall Obligation of Man in His World. I'm going to explain here the general, all encompassing obligation of man in his world, in, the, in this world. And he starts off with presenting to us that the, the highest of types of spiritual achievement, which he refers to as chasidus, piety, that's one of the very high levels where it's really in the category of the highest level in all the rungs of spiritual elevation that he discusses in the Sefer. Chasidus. Chasidus is where a person is able to understand through his great wisdom and through his powerful inner love for Hashem. What Hashem wants of him that is not explicitly stated in the Torah. He's able to expand from and extrapolate from what is explicit in the Torah all other aspects and actions developments and feelings that person who truly sincerely wants to bring about Hashem's desire and is able to understand it correctly is able to do and is thereby obligated to do so this very high spiritual level Needs a foundation. And he also discusses what he calls the complete, which sounds like almost perfect, service of Hashem. So we're talking about piety, very high level. A person loves Hashem, wants to do even beyond what is explicitly commanded for everyone to do. And is able to understand that from the Torah person is serving Hashem in a complete fashion that needs a root, that needs something to draw its sustenance from. So he's starting off to, to lay out for us, what is the foundation, the root of these highest levels? But of course, uh, we have to assume that, that the foundation of these levels applies to all the beginning levels as well. Just even the highest levels need the foundation and the roots. So it's something that is gonna be at the foundation that upon which can be based everything that leads up to and including these very highest levels of spiritual achievement. So what is that foundation? What is that root of all spiritual achievements? Says Ramachal, she is ames." It is that it should become clear and known to be true to a person what is his obligation in his world. The, the foundation and the root of all his greatest spiritual achievements is going to be having completely clear understanding clearly and fully and knowing that it's the truth and being convinced being completely clear and having total conviction of what is his obligation in his world. And not only that not only what is his obligation but also And to what he should be placing his focus and his aspiration, his heart's desire, in everything that he is working on, all life long. So there is something that that can be, that needs to be. That which a person is focused on and aspiring to in everything he is doing. It's interesting that the um, halachah sort of splits it up into two items: his obligation in the world, and to what he needs to place his focus and his aspiration. He doesn't just say his obligation to which he should. It's like somehow two that are somehow one, but still being described individually. This is his overall obligation. And there is that which he needs to be focused upon and aspiring to with everything he does. Now, just to take note of this, just to like, to, to, like take in the fact that there can be something which will be so powerful, so personal, so real, so desirable, that it can be a person's desire, his aspiration, and what he is focused upon in everything that he is working at. In all his efforts, all life long. That must be something of an amazing nature. And it would seem that has to be something that the person will relate to in a very personal way. Because it's hard to imagine you could um, demand of a person in some kind of external imposition to be thinking and aspiring to something in everything that he does has to become something that he personally is so enamored with is so desirous of is so consumed by that it will be his focus and his aspiration in everything he's doing has to be very personal And this is already not simple at all. And we're calling it Khova, is obligation. When we hear the word obligation, we always think in terms of something that's externally imposed, something that I'm doing for somebody else. It's hard to, to, to envision something, but there could be somebody that I experience, I relate to as an obligation. But that is like so powerful within me. That is everything I'm focusing on. So it's going to be, it's going to have to be a very special kind of obligation. A unique type. It's not going to be a type that's purely coming because of being demanded of the person. It's going to have to be a kind of obligation that is innate. That it almost calls from itself to be fulfilled. Filled. just something to keep in mind okay so I'm sure if we hadn't known the answer and we could try to pretend like we don't know the answer we'd be very curious so this has to be something very very powerful let's see what Ramchal says <laughs> what our sages have taught us is That a person was created solely, only, for nothing else but but to derive the pleasure upon Hashem, from Hashem. And to enjoy the splendor of his intimate presence. Shekhin always means closeness. To enjoy the splendor of Hashem's presence. For this is the true pleasure and the greatest enjoyment of all enjoyment that can possibly be experienced. That is essentially in that one line where everything is contained. And he continues, the place for this is the world to come. The place for this in truth sounds like there could be something of it even in this world. But the place for this to be experienced in truth is the world to come which is prepared for this experience. Mm -hmm. So let's say the words again. What our sages have taught us is and he's going to continue to describe how we see this. He gives us all the sources but many of them that could help us to see where we're being taught this. What Ahachamim have taught us is a person was created by Hashem solely for the purpose of his receiving, deriving the maximum, the truest and greatest pleasure that is possible for a created being to experience. That is the pleasure of the closest to Hashem. So, most obvious question is if the Amchal started off with the statement that it has to become clear to a person what is his obligation in this world we would expect him to continue this, the discussion and say what are Acham have taught us is that a person's obligation is the following. His obligation is we would, we would expect something like to fulfill the Torah, to keep all the mitzvahs, to bring himself close to Hashem so that Hashem's good purpose and great plan will be achieved. But nowhere does Ramchal say that. All he says is what our sages taught us is man was created, meaning by Hashem, so that he can receive the maximum pleasure, that he can enjoy and experience the maximum pleasure that it is possible for a created being to receive. The greatest pleasure, which is Ainig Alashem, greatest and truest pleasure. So it's quite a mystery. And at the very like surface level, how is this responding to, or how is this completing the thought? It has to be clear to a person his obligation in this world, and then sort of like looks like the is like leaving that. Behold, our sages taught us: man was created by Hashem to receive the greatest pleasure. Is it somehow obvious that Hashem's plan equals the person's obligation? I don't know if it's so obvious. In what way, it needs to be understood, in what way is Hashem's plan in the creation of the person, Hashem's purpose for why he created man, synonymous with the person's obligation? of course you could suggest on the level of Hasidus all the person wants is to be fulfilling Hashem's desires like a loving child to a beloved parent uh, compares it in Perkin Hasidus but this is being written for everyone it's not written only for someone who is really on that level of Hasidus it's the foundation so it's meant to be as the means to get there also and also for the preceding levels. So and he's talking also about sabodatsuimo, That's purely about chasidus. So I don't know if we could rely upon that concept of chasidus to be the explanation of how it is that what man was created for equals his obligation. Does this question make sense, Aboisa? Is anybody uh, feel they hear a question, even on a very, very simple level. <laughs> There's only three choices. yes, no or let's hear it again <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> if anybody else wants to you know uh, give me a thumbs up or a verbal thumbs up, I'll take it. But if now we'll continue. So that's one very simple question. Another very simple question. It's, it's interesting that if the, how is writing that has to be clear and known to a person to be true. He's he has to have complete conviction of what is his obligation. We would think that he would first um, present that it has to be clear to a person and absolutely known to be true to a person that he is obligated. What about the fact of his being obligated in the first place? There's only discussion of what is the obligation, but the very basic starting point that he has an obligation at all. Can that be taken for granted? If, if the Machal wouldn't write, it has to become clear and totally true to a person. So we, we could think possibly maybe he's taking that for granted. But if he's letting us know that we have to gain clarity, and he himself was not writing it in a very clear way. So certainly we have to work to gain the clarity. But it has to be known to be true. So we need clarity, we need conviction. So I would think that we need it also on the basic fact of being obligated altogether. Even if we understood how this is the obligation. But the very fact of that he is obligated, why he's obligated, can that be taken for granted? It's hard to imagine. So it seemed like we have to assume that this somehow includes everything. In knowing what is the obligation, a person will also know clearly and convincingly that he is obligated. And that's something that needs to be figured out as well. Does that point make sense? (laughs) Okay. Now we get to, of course... The, in a certain sense, most obvious issue. Rabbi, can I say, can I ask something, please? Yes, absolutely, with pleasure. Uh, um, uh, I, uh, what I heard in the beginning is that uh, Ramhal saying that, um, it's to experience a pleasure from, uh, from, uh, knowing and uh, realizing that uh, Hashem is, is present and you are in a close relationship with Hashem. That was his uh, uh, first uh, statement that you made, correct? I think that's correct. When he says, Anig al Hashem, and to benefit from Hashem's sp- splendor, Hashem's presence and the splendor of Hashem's presence. That seems to be very, very related to, uh, unique closest to Hashem, yes. And then, also, the second idea is that, the obligation. Yes. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's one leading to another, is that where you are heading to, or I'm, I'm missing some, something? They, they seem to be somehow equated, or united. Michal Michal starts off, we have to know, we have to understand clearly and be totally convinced of the truth of what is our obligation. And Mm -hmm. we would hope hope he would say, okay, now I'm going to tell you what your obligation is. Then we would know it very clearly. Okay. But his following statement is, man was created to enjoy from Hashem. Okay. Okay. wonderful. Is that my obligation? My obligation is the enjoyment. I would think my obligation is to do all the preparation to bring about the enjoyment. So you should say, Hashem has this plan, and towards that plan, we are now obligated to do whatever we can do to help bring that about, which he's going to spell out later, which is the Mm -hmm. mitzvos, of course. Right. Coming close to Hashem. But in no place does he say al kei. Therefore, the adam is obligated; his chova is to keep the mitzvot. It just says the way that this will be achieved is going to be through this world, and the means that achieve it are the mitzvot. It's like, 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 like explanation, like, like details. It's just like informing us uh, there are ways. There's a place, and there are ways how this is accomplished, and those are the mitzvot. It never says therefore a person's obligation is the mitzvot. He never clearly spells out kovaso bolomo his obligation in the world is this. It just says he was created only for enjoyment of Hashem. Now of course the hope is that the answer is going to be evidently simple and we can be okay if it's escaping us at the moment or if it ever escaped us in the past. <laughs> And, and the base Halevi said, that is the nature of Torah, that sometimes we try all, uh, many c- kind of complicated answers, and then we realize that the answer is simple right in front of us, that we can't understand how we missed it in the beginning. And that's fine. But I don't want anybody to do that just yet, because we want to all have time to think about it. <laughs> There's no denying that, you know, we are essentially set up for this challenge. We're a young child, the way, the way Hashem has designed the world, human being, and, and the stages of, of Torah obligation, we start with Chinuch, even before Bar Mitzvah, when the child is old enough to be able to understand enough to start getting in the habit, the good practice. So there are going to be a lot of things that become um, pretty much routine when they were not really understood or able, even able to have understood fully. Certainly, these ideas couldn't yet be could not yet be understood. We can barely understand them now, and yet um, the design of the Torah is for the young person to get in the good into the good routine of keeping the mitzvot, and then as he matures, to add in and build in greater and greater, deeper and deeper understanding. And it is, um, you know. Are undeniable that there is almost nothing in life that forces a person. It's not like other life stages where as you you know grow up and you're getting mature, you realize okay, I have to do something for myself to you know get my life in order for the future. A person can very easily stay in a state of just you know doing good good actions. And it's not like nothing really like so really forces a person. But there are points that it can help us to wake up. That's where we're drawing from Hanukkah. And you know, other sources in the Torah that call to us and say, it should not be doing mitzvot just by roads. It needs to be There are good, good Torah sources that can help us to realize, oh, I need to understand this more. I need to learn about this. I need to really connect with this. This has to become mine. <laughs> So, the hope is that that becomes part of the education. If sometimes that gets a little bit lost, um, you know, Hashem has the reason for that too. Which we don't always understand. We're trying the best we can, you know. Every day is the start of a new beginning. But, you know, I, I hear where you're coming from. Does that help at all?
1: yeah I'm, I'm, I'm also i'm also thinking as you're talking maybe maybe the concept of like uh like a bar at age 20 you know like you know whatever that, that concept is maybe there's okay right. That, that.
0: right yeah could be but obviously there is a uh that there should first be a stage of getting in the practice the good practice of the actions and then to add into it, the ever increasing, greater Havana and appreciation, and personal connection, and you know, I'm, uh, it's, I'm limit, thinking, it's, it's limitless how much that can be accomplished.
1: I, I'm thinking also that maybe, maybe go for the process that's supposed to happen with the Khila almost, is that, you know, because it's we are being the kind of, you know, before 13 and we're starting really the key at 13 and we kind of have to go on this journey of self-discovery of, you know, kind of going through this process as, as adults to kind of rethink what it's all about and to get out of the whole routine and road. And instead of that being like the like, Oh, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. We're supposed to really be turned on at 13 and throughout everything. Like maybe, maybe this is, almost the way it's supposed to be.
0: Well, well let's not forget the Sefer Akinuch wrote his Sefer for his Bar Mitzvah age son. So, you know, could be like that as, as, a, as a backlash against the Haskola, there was a little bit of a, um, so deep emphasis on, um, on intellectuality and reasoning to protect against, um, you know, people only wanted to keep the Torah if it made sense to them and rejecting it if it didn't make sense to them as did take place at one point in our history on large scale. So where are we now? In history, no, it's hard to know exactly. But um, we are blessed with um, a uh, large Torah community nowadays and a lot of good svarim that help us to understand what's at the real root of the mitzvahs. So we should try to use them as best we can. How does that sound? Um, e- each time we I'm come back. That... Go ahead.
1: Okay. Um, I hear. I hear everything. I'm just not sure like, how that was addressed
0: what I before. Okay. So um, try to keep it in mind. Maybe we'll come back. Okay. Maybe one to one. So just want to touch on one uh, one more good question very basic fundamental question and that is just the combination of um and lisanik it seems to us to be almost uh, incompatible could it be that uh, my obligation is that i should receive tremendous einik no where we would normally think of obligation, it's not quite that way at all, especially religious obligation. But um, besides our own like ingrained mindset, we have a good Torah source that would seem to indicate to us that we're not supposed to be f- focusing on our gaining reward. The Mishnah Novo says we're supposed to be like servants that are serving Hashem. Certainly, it's a desired level, it may not be um, an absolute obligation. Um, And somebody doesn't reach that, it's not a condemnation, but to certainly being strongly encouraged by the Mishnah to be like servants that are serving Hashem, not for the sake of getting reward. Do not be like servants that are serving for the sake of receiving reward for themselves, in the hope of reward, but rather be like servants that are serving out of love of the Master, So it would be one thing if Lamcha would tell us there's this concept we need to know that Hashem wants to give us the maximum pleasure, maximum benefits and support for us to know that. And okay, then we file that away. We know about it. But then our focus should be just pure, simple, sincere, devoted service to the Master. We love Hashem. We do everything Hashem wants us to do. That's it. But that's not how he's presenting it. He's saying, this has to be his focus, his aspiration and everything he's doing. And then he comes, what's the Chovah? Zalhu? So it doesn't seem like this is supposed to be just filed in the background somewhere. Known, understood, appreciated, be amazed by, and filed away. It's supposed to be front and center. It's supposed to be my my absolute focus and aspiration, everything I'm doing. So how how can that be combined somehow? That's, my focus is this, that a person who has created only lists anegol Hashem. At the same time, I'm not doing the mitzvahs for reward. I'm not doing it for my personal reward. I'm not doing it for myself. But I'm going to, it's going to be the, the maximum pleasure. It's not for myself. Can, can those co- really coexist? It would be much easier to say, okay, you know about the reward, and then forget about it, put it out of your mind, you just serve Hashem purely, simply, loyally. But, he, but he's saying, what has to be your focus, your aspiration, everything you're doing? Am I supposed to be aspiring to my pleasure and everything I'm doing? Isn't that going to be self-directed? Isn't that going to be for my reward? Isn't that going to be not what a chassid would be doing? Maybe somebody in the beginning level? Okay, we understand it's 100% valid and it's understandable and it's maybe commendable. to keep all the Torah for the, for the, out of his belief that Hashem rewarded the tzaddikim and he wants to get it. Okay, it's not a, not a criticism. He can still be a tzaddik. But he's not a chassid. And here the Mesil Sharma is writing this even for the chassid. They said a the chassidus. So it can't be something that's only for somebody who's at the starting level. And it can't be only for somebody who's at the highest level. It's got to be something that's for everybody. And how is that going to work? One idea that might help us to make a start, which is not going to be, not intending to be a, a full answer here, but just the, the entire concept of onig. And being self-directed is not necessarily one and the same. Because we know, both in life and from good Torah sources, that there can be very great onig that's not of a self-directed nature. Amanasa Kabbalah Pras is essentially, I'm doing it for myself. I have my own benefit primarily motivating me. Of course, I have great, great loyalty to Hashem, but essentially what's driving me is, I want to receive the reward. That's of a self-directed nature, which again is not invalid, it's not negated, but it's not the highest level, or the desired level. But we know that there are many situations of very great pleasure that, in, in which a person has no thought of himself involved. And on the contrary, the pleasure comes essentially from a kind of experience that is very altruistic and is focused on others and not on myself. The people that really experience great deep pleasure from helping another person, like the Arsufa writes about in the Maimar Avas Chesed, that's the nature of a Jew, is to really derive tremendous hanah from acts of kindness. That's directed towards the other person. They're not doing it for the sake of, well, I'm gonna go help people, they're not gonna feel so good, and that's why I'm gonna do it. They're doing it because they love people and they they love bestowing good to people. They love being involved with us. The the pleasure a person has at times from understanding something and learning. Well, like the Ram talks about when a person recognizes the greatness of Hashem. Sees the the, the magnificence, the, the wisdom, the beauty of the creation, is just in awe. evoking tremendous, powerful feelings. There was no thought of himself involved there. Uh, Chazanish talks about the person learning in the proper way, and then there comes the kind of a light that gives great pleasure to the seichel just the clarity, just the basic grasp. person wasn't doing it for the sake of that, just comes by itself. There are many very great pleasures in human experience that come of themselves when a person has evolved in something really good and really valuable. The Rambam, by says the greatest simcha will be to gladden the hearts of the downtrodden, the Yisoyim, the Ammonas, the Gerim, where a person is acting in a manner that's like Hashem, who uplifts those that are that are brokenhearted. Is he, is he giving the money for the sake of that good feeling? He's doing it because he cares, he cares for his fellow Jew. But that feeling comes by itself. It's it's deep, it's subtle, but can be felt. That good feeling comes as a result of his being involved in something that's innately valuable. or the mashal that I heard from Rav Sailor, when a father is dancing at his son's chasen. He's having great pleasure. it's not self-directed. He's very happy for his son's satlaha He's elated. He's just jumping for joy. <laughs> I saw this in action. I was also pretty happy at that chasen, but no comparison to my mukhutten. He was just like flying. Um, I'm sure there's no thought of the, for his, for, his, for his own self. It was just like, ah, oh, Hashem. So, though those are experiences where there's great pleasure, where it's not directed towards myself, it just comes of itself. So, There could be something of that nature that maybe could help us over here. Something to think about. Okay, Um, I think we can basically pause. (laughs) The real what really started me on this, to be all honest, in all honesty, is was that line of that there could be something, there's meant to be something that will be my aspiration and my focus in everything I'm doing. Whoa, that's not just something I know, I appreciate, I, I admire, and I, I, I absorb it, and it goes into my, into my subconscious, into my heart somewhere, the back of my mind, bottom of my heart, well, there's supposed to be total focus. Front and center. Okay. I'd love to find out what kind of Chauva that is. That could be our focus and our aspiration in everything that we're doing. And it's not going to be for my own selfish pleasure. Okay. That's uh, something to try to think about for a couple of weeks. Looking forward to getting back together. If anybody wants to stay on, you're welcome. But that is the... uh, Completion of tonight's year.